This episode is brought to you by Oh Hello Media. Oh Hello Media is the nation's leading visual storytellers of brand experiences. They utilize creative storytelling to empower brands with meaningful photography, videography, and video post-production that elicits emotion to create a lasting and memorable impression between your target audience and your brand. Not only do they have team members in every city across the country, their turnkey operational solution saves clients an average of 10 hours of project management. 10 hours! To learn more about Oh Hello Media Services and how they're leveling up their clients' visuals, please visit their website at www.ohellomedia.com. Again, that's www.ohellomedia.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast, Confessions of a Creative Director, the original podcast made by a creative director for creative directors, for aspiring creative directors, for creatives of all types looking to up their game. This is your podcast and I am your host, Jaime Cabrera. Welcome back to the show. You know, when we think of creative directors, we immediately think of people working in ad agencies. But there's a whole other world of CDs who are working on the client side at design firms, marketing agencies, or at BR companies like my next guest. On today's show, we have Nipa Eason, an amazing creative director from Tallahassee, Florida, who has been working exclusively in PR for the last several years. And she's here to share some things she's learned along the way on her journey specifically some misconceptions and misunderstandings that happened between the PR side of the house and the creative team at a PR agency. So if you're working in PR, you're going to want to pay special attention to this episode. So let's get into it. Without further ado, here's Nipa Eason. Nipa, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Jaime? Good. It's nice to, nice to see you. It's, it's, been, nice a, it's see been a minute. You. It's been a minute. Yeah. It has. It has. Yeah. The last yeah. time, I think the last time we, we, we spoke officially, I was on your podcast and that was, that was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Thanks again for having me on, on the show. I had a good time talking to you guys. Yeah. If anyone's interested, it's called Project Popsicle. We talk to creatives from marginalized communities and their journeys to get to where they're at in their careers. And we want to give a platform to people who are, who don't always have mentors and examples of people in creative fields. Yeah, it's a it's a uh, it's a great uh, podcast and shout out uh, to Bert. Yeah, uh, who's hi, your Bert. co-host. Hi Bert. <laughs> uh but anyway, thanks for joining joining the show. I think we have a really interesting topic uh to talk about today. You know, I often mention this in I've mentioned it in the book and I mentioned it on the podcast. There's so many different types of creative directors. As a matter of fact, I've been kind of exchanging some emails with someone who is a creative director more like on the artistic side for a performer, right? And there's this Mm -hmm. whole other gamut. And one of those sort of variations is uh, someone that's a creative director that works for a PR company, which is somewhat of a different animal. And that is you. You've been been working in as a creative director in PR for how long now? How long has that been? Probably around uh three years officially but i've worked at other agencies where pr was a huge component that we assisted with as well so maybe like eight years total 
with that okay. in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I did it for a little bit as, as well, too, when I was working at RNC PMK. I never got quite fully sort of immersed in all of that, but I did, you know, dabble in it a little bit. And, and it is it is different and it is uh, interesting. Yeah, it's it's definitely a different frame of mind. And one of the things mm -hmm. I've realized over the last few years is that obviously all of this is based on people. Like you'll have certain people in PR, certain people in creative that are just great to work with. And that's just the human aspect of it, right? Like you right. really enjoy working together and you click and you connect and you're able to speak each other's language. And so, um, but you know, there's, op there's opportunities there always for making things better and learning how to integrate it a little bit better too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what we want to focus on today is just kind of understanding how can we make you know, the, that integration between the, the PR side of things and, and working with the creative side and things. I think there's often kind of some misunderstandings or some things that are, you know, that are lost in, in translation. And I think that for and the, and these, what we're going to talk about is probably useful for anybody. But I think that, you know, again, that PR sort of uh, world has some, some nuances. So why don't you tell us about some of these key things that you've discovered in terms of working with, you know, PR and creative yeah, it was it was interesting. I went to uh, a panel with at a lo at a university locally where I talked a lot uh, to a, lot, a bunch of PR students. And this was just a few days ago, and that was actually their biggest question: like, how do you all communicate with each other? And so, yeah, I've I've been talking about this for a while now. I think there's a few key misunderstandings that I've found in terms of integrating PR and creative. And I think one of the first things that comes to mind is that what do people think of when they think of PR? A lot of times they think mm. of PR as just like media relations and relationship building with journalists or, or like reputation right. management. Uh, and all of those things don't feel like necessarily that there's a creative component. But I'll say even in those, when you're making media kits for journalists, especially now when we don't have a lot of journalists out there. There's not a lot of bandwidth for journalists to actually take the story and run with it. They're looking for things that are packaged in a way that makes it really easy for them to use. And so there's strategy behind that too. How do you make it visually easy for this journalist to use? If they're on TV news, are you going to add video? Uh, if they're on um, or audio even, or if you're creating just materials for them to use, graphics for them to use in print, it's just trying to make it as easy as possible for them to access all of those assets. And that's just in media relations and uh, rep, uh, journalist and re relationship building with journalists, right? Right. PR also, I mean, and Jaime, you do this too. It's like events too. It's uh, creating Absolute, events yeah. and getting uh, press out there. But the event management side of it is a huge part of PR. And I think people forget that that involves creative strategy. You're still thinking about the audience and how best to communicate with them, which I think people forget that creatives are really good at and looking at it from a completely different angle than maybe a PR person is. Yeah. And I think that I think that just kind of riffing a little bit on the whole, you know, PR thing. I mean, I, I, in some ways, everything is PR, right? I used to have a colleague who, who worked at RNCPMK who would say that it's like everything is is PR. So in many ways, I think um, PR agencies are, are sort of uniquely situated in a really interesting spot where if they could get it all together, 
you know, they, they really could oversee a really broad swath of the, the way that a brand um, behaves and activates and communicates, right? I'm not sure. I'm sure there are some agencies that are considered that sort of in the PR world that do have that sort of reach, but um, I think probably not all of them are out there. And maybe one of the reasons is is that that creative side, because you, you do bring up a good point that in today's world, right, everybody wants things as packaged up, you know, and as ready to go, whether that's really pithy little sound bites or really great little creative headlines that they can just rip and use in their own story. So I agree that, you know, the creativity has to be in all of that stuff because they just don't have time to do the follow up and dig through. And, you know, so. Yeah. And that's like, you know, even like that reputation management brand management side of it, too. That's all creative i mean that like when we're talking about a brand and how their voice is going to exist in the world and what kind of messaging they're going to use that's that's being creative with the copy but also being creative with again how visually it's going to be represented so i feel like even ultimately brand design and logo design can fall under reputation management and pr if you're if you're actually thinking about it in an integrated way yeah. Can you spend just a second? I don't want to take us off track of the misunderstandings that we're going to talk about, but uh, mm-hmm. further talk about, but spend a little bit of time on the on the brand, the reputation management. That's always fascinating to me. And you hear these, you know, sometimes you hear these spots for companies that specialize in this area. But what how do you what is that? Can it give the audience a little bit more insight into that? Yeah. So I've been working with a client recently that grew really quickly. They grew super fast. They had a logo developed that was that was good. It was like representative of what they were, but they didn't know how to make it work in terms of how they were scaling up because they were scaling up in multiple verticals in all of these different directions. And they didn't know how to make it work to represent them as they were currently and in a way that they could scale up. And so we actually spent a long time doing a huge research component where we interviewed mm a lot of the stakeholders, we interviewed a lot of the executives at the company, we interviewed a lot of their customers to find out what the gaps were in understanding what this company did. And actually, there were quite a few gaps. And that that is what we use to build their kind of value platform and how they present themselves to the community around them to their to their future customers to their future partners, whoever they are trying to work with. They needed to be able to communicate about themselves in a way that was effective. And even that is, that's like reputation management just on a basic level. Then, you know, there's like the crisis comm side of it, which um, I'm not going to really touch on right now. But like this reputation yeah. management at foundationally is building the way that people perceive your company and your organization in the world around them. And we were able to use those gaps in knowledge to actually use, to make the logo work in a way that reflected their growth and their uh, scaling up. And so we made a whole hierarchy for them, a brand hierarchy that works for them specifically. It may not work for anyone else, but we used all of the research that we pulled in and the conversations we had to create this kind of this, you know, and it's a brand and value guide. Like it's a, it's a guy, a local guy, but like it was very clear on what types of things you should say and how you should say them too. That's interesting because typically you might, and I got to let my, my co-host in here because he's barking up a storm. <laughs> Come on, Mac. Come on, buddy. Oh, hi, Mac. Um, <laughs> sit down. Sit down, co-host. <laughs> um, and that's interesting because typically you might, as- you might assume that 
you know, a their ad agency or somebody like that is doing that type of work, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it stands to reason that it should should and can come from the PR side. Well, so the interviews that we held and the questions that we asked were very different from, I think, other like ad agencies that I've worked at. And so PR folks with their media training, with the way that they approach projects and mm-hmm. clients, it is a very different way that they're asking questions to find those gaps in the reputation. And so I find a lot of times, because I come at, at it from an ad side too, and so getting both perspectives is really key to bringing something like this together. That's awesome. Okay, good. Thank you for taking us on that little, uh, giving us that little overview. So yeah. what else, what other sort of misunderstandings do you see in that sort of, you know, give and take between PR and, and the creative side of things? So I think this is a common misunderstanding with a lot of agencies, not just PR, but I have seen a lot of PR job postings lately that kind of reflect this. But the expectation is that PR practitioners can do everything. They're unicorns. They can use Canva. They can record audio on their phone. They can film on their phone. <laughs> they can, they, and you know, this is pretty common for a lot of ad agencies too, but I've seen so many PR students who have come to me like, oh, I do this, I do graphic design. Like even the test assignments at some of these agencies are asking people to create social media graphics and uh, write copy for all of these different things that are completely different from each other. Like a press release is very different from social media. It's very different from right. um, a news article or like an op-ed, like it, you know, or even like thought leadership type pieces that you would write for LinkedIn. It's all different. And you're asking this one person to be an expert in everything. And that's where I think we kind of, I don't know, it's, it's a mistake. I think you find someone who's good, you find their expertise in as a PR practitioner, and you want to fill the, those gaps too. And usually those gaps are creative. Um, and I'm coming at it from like a design perspective, but you can't expect someone to be like an amazing writer and an amazing designer all at the same time. You might find one person, one or two people who can do that, but it's very right. rare. And finding someone who can offset that skill set is so important. And that's again, having multiple voices, diversity of thought and uh, experience always brings brings the project to a higher level. But so let me let me see if I understand you correctly. Are you saying that the industry is asking this of of the people that are coming in, or is it the folks that are coming in that think that they can do everything, or maybe it's a combination of both? Because I think those are two different things, right? Because I I may I may think if I'm if just, you know, off of recent interactions with, with folks, that some people that are coming in, into the business think that they can do it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a catch-22, so, right? I, I don't even know what came first. <laughs> um, yeah. But I feel like they see all these job postings and they feel like they have to be good at all this stuff, right? You see the job posting, you're like, oh, I have to know how to how to make social media graphics. I need to know how to make a video. I need to know how to, how to write an op-ed. Um, And so they come into it thinking that they need to be good at everything. So at this point, I do get a lot of people coming to me that they're like, oh, I do graphic design and I do this and this and this. And I will look at their materials and I'm like, well, your strength is actually here. So let's move on past this. Like you don't have to be good at all of these things. Let's focus on the strength 
and work with people who can help fill those gaps. Yeah. And, it, and it, you know, it will come into play. I, I, I do believe that it is good to have that well-rounded knowledge because then you, as you move up, you can sort of, you know, art direct or give advice on copy or feedback or whatever. But I agree that you can't be, you can't be good at everything, right? You can't be, and I think honestly, it's this, this, what you're describing is probably a byproduct of, you know, the social media content creator or influencer. I mean, it, you know, everybody does everything, right? They shoot their own videos and they, and, and I Got think this. there is a, yeah, exactly. Most powerful <laughs> they can do everything. tool in the world. They yeah. can. And I think that's probably, I don't know, it's almost like a blurring of the lines. And, and obviously that has a place in what we do, but it's, I don't know, it's different, right? There's, I don't know, there's a different, I'm not explaining it properly, but there's a different yeah. mentality. And one's, one's feels like this is authentic and, and natural to the world of influencers and content creators. But then if you're trying to do this professionally for a brand, maybe it's a different approach. And maybe there's a blurring of that line. Yeah, I mean, I see it even with, so I went to film school. Uh, my background is like learning how to make movies. And one of the things that I realized, I also minored in studio art. And so that's like a of an odd combination actually, because that doesn't happen that often. But because of that, I came with a very solid understanding of color theory. And a lot of filmmakers understand color in terms of like light but they may not understand color theory when it comes to like motion graphics or how to how to inspire certain visual elements on screen or even like when you move into print stuff so you have like these people who are making film or videos for agencies that are also expected to do graphic design and motion graphics as well and those are like very different skill sets from my experience right. too and over time i learned typography but you don't learn that as a filmmaker. Typography is not something that's talked about. And so it's a skill set that you have to build, but it's not something that you're going to be an expert in just because of your your background and education. Right. Okay. All right. What else? What else? Keep, keep, keep them coming. This is good. This is a good conversation. I think people are going to take a lot out of it, especially people that are maybe looking to get into you know, do creative at a PR uh, firm or are already there. So what else you got? Yeah. Uh, so misunderstanding number three that I'm talking about today is that there's this misconception that people are still only consuming. And this is, I think, common again across all things, all um, industries, that people are consuming content via only a few methods. And so you have PR folks who are very focused on news and journalism, but they kind of overlook the digital side and the social media side and then the other places like events and other things. Like if you're if you're following that first misunderstanding that we talked about where PR is just media relations, you're going to miss a whole lot of other things that can help your client uh, get their message out there and build that awareness, right? Like you're going to miss opportunities to get out there. And the best way to find those opportunities I think is to talk to creatives because they're out there. They're out there on all of those platforms trying to find things. I mean, I, I just started using Be Real and I don't even know why. 
<laughs> so it's, you know, it, but we're trying things. We're taking risks. We're putting ourselves out there in a way that traditional PR folks may not be. Yeah. I just had uh, Tom Chrisman on the podcast who works for a company that does that specializes in found content, right? So they're going out and helping companies find, you know, people that created a funny video with their dog to then maybe put in a dog food commercial or whatever, right? It's, it's this yeah. whole other world of finding these this found content. And he talks about that. He talks about like, we just as creative people, we just need to be out there. And he mentioned be real. I don't even know what it is. I assume it's <laughs> similar to like a TikTok. It's, it's similar it's to TikTok photography. Or? It's not um, not it's, video okay. based as much. Okay. But yeah, it's it's fun. Yeah. It, it sends you a reminder at a certain point in your day. And you literally have to post a photo at that time. And then it takes a photo of you too. So it takes a photo of what you're looking at, and a photo of yourself. And then it posts it for your the reason I find it manageable is that like I have four friends, so <laughs> I can yeah. keep up with my four friends and what they're doing at that time. Um, the interesting thing about it is like normally it's like if you miss the window, then you shouldn't be able to post, but you can still post late. So it it's supposed to feel less curated, but it still feels a little bit curated. <laughs> interesting, but it takes a photo at the same time mm -hmm. or like it uses your front and back camera or something or what? Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's fascinating. Oh, I'm going to look into that. But um, just kind of closing the, the loop on what he said, he's like, you know, get out there, make, make stuff on there if, if or observe it and see who's doing it really well. And, you know, you have to constantly be out there, you know, yeah. searching on cool hunting as it as it were, right? Looking for what's cool and what's not. And, you know, I mean, now talking out of the other side of my mouth, right? Obviously, you know, the folks that you're sort of describing have maybe been in the business for a long time. They mm -hmm. have any number of other pressures or things on, on their plate, but that doesn't mean that they can't turn to their teams and say like, what do you, what are you guys seeing? What are you, as yeah. opposed to just running straight for the tactic that they've known, you know, their entire career, because I agree. I mean, the world is, is changing, um, has changed, Yeah, you know, in my opinion, the, the 30 second TV spot is will always still have a place and be important. But there's so many other things, you know, yeah. experiential and and, uh, you know, the, even the, that found content stuff that I'm talking about. So it's like, what mm -hmm. can we do to change things up a, a little bit? Yeah. And I've I've you know, that that type of person that I'm talking about, like you said, it it is a more traditional, probably per, someone who's been in the business for a long time a lot but a lot of them are leading agencies now and so they do have to have buy-in and what you know taking those risks i i've found that there can be the metrics for pr tend to be tend to lean towards making things more risk averse so they're focused so much on outcomes and roi and like how many impressions you're getting and how much how much that outcome is going to impact your your message it, so it makes them a little less open to taking risks and trying things and that's where i think creatives come in and we can push that push that boundary a little bit and get things outside the box yeah what's interesting is also it's a good point that you mentioned that you know who it's so it's so the person that's running an agency or the people that are running an agency really are sort of driving that vision and what their 
um, you know, what they're leading with. But then on the flip side, you have to also consider, you know, on the client side, who are those people, right? And I, and I think, if I'm thinking about this correctly, there's probably a much younger group of people that's moving up in that space. So eventually there's going to be sort of a mismatch, right? Where the clients maybe yeah. are a little bit, uh, I don't want to say younger, but I'll say, you know, uh, uh, fresher in their career or whatever. And and the people that are running things are maybe, you know, at a different place in their lives. And there's going to be a little bit of a, of a clash where they're going, why aren't we doing this stuff? You know, and then like, right. well, we've always done it this way. So I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but it seems well, to. Well, and I, I did, I listened to your conversation, I think it was a few episodes ago, about uh, the invisible pitch, I think, is what it was yeah. about. And leaving. how yeah. you're, you have to remember that you need to speak to the client where they are and find right. their motivators, right? Um, and I think that's so important. And if you're not trying to look at it from that perspective, you're going to miss a lot of opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. And that's why I think that episode was so important for for everybody to listen mm -hmm. to, right? Because A, if you want to win more business and B, and B if you want to, um, you know, really start to move the needle in terms of creativity and doing things that are exciting and, and uh, breaking new ground and stuff, I think you definitely have to do that. All right. What else? What else you got? This is this is awesome. I'm taking so, my taking lots of notes here. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest, this is like the big one. I think this is the big All one. All right. Um, okay. Hold on. Let me, let me, let me mark this. I'm going to use my little marking tool here because I, <laughs> I sense that this is going to be one of our, my little clips for promoting the show. Okay. I got it. Yeah. I think the biggest misunderstanding is that people think PR is strategic and creative is tactical. And that way, in that way, they think PR comes first. And they're thinking about mm. things in strategy and then they bring in creative later to execute that strategy when it's really important to bring them together from the very beginning because creative is going to have strategy that PR is not going to even think of and PR is going to have strategy that creative may not think of. And that's where you get like the really good stuff, right? Like when yeah. you come together and collaborate in that way from the very beginning, you get the good stuff. That's great. And, and, and tell me if you've heard this phrase, cause it's, it always makes me cringe, right? It's like, Oh, we, we just need you to make this pretty, make it look good. It's like, yeah. Jazz it up. Okay. That's, that's a, a part of what we do, but that's such a small and in some ways kind of like, that's the, you know, that's the, that's the lowest hanging fruit. Like we should be at the beginning, right? Cause that's where we can really add value. And I agree that it should be a combination uh, of, mm -hmm. of, you know, strategy and, and narrative and, and, and storytelling and, and bringing in the creative at the same time, right. As opposed to like, Oh, we already came up with a thing now just kind of make it look good. And you know, it's like, yeah, that's not how this works. No. And, you know, I'm coming at it from a perspective like, okay, so who, who are we talking to? Because that's going to determine what everything looks like and sounds like and feels like. And who is the best audience for this? Why are we reaching out to this group? Where are we going to reach, to, reach them? How are we going to reach them? And uh, I'm looking at it from such a three-dimensional way rather than just 
this one side of and, and NPR can sometimes get one dimensional if you're not bringing in other perspectives to add to that strategy. Yeah. So in your mind, tell me how you think in a perfect world and how you've seen, maybe you've seen it, but how, how should it come together uh, at the, at the very beginning? How, you know, in a perfect world, if you could say, this is the way we need to do it every time, what does that look like? So I, come back to a project that I did a few years ago that was like kind of like the best of everything of all of this coming together in the best possible way. We had a really short time frame, but we made it happen. The client came to us with a problem that they had lost their funding. It was a nonprofit and mm -hmm. they needed a, a way to figure out how to get money uh, and raise funds. Uh, it's a homeless shelter here in town and mm -hmm what we ended up doing is meeting for about an hour uh, internally with our PR people, with our ad people, with our creative people. And in that hour, we came up with an experiential event that would also make people aware of the challenges that homeless shelters in general deal with. We did, um, it was a, it was basically a, cooking challenge with local mm -hmm. celebrities. We chose four people who had big social media platforms and got them to put the word out to their platforms to get money. Any money you donated, it would go toward a specific ingredient. So it was bringing in a little bit of that like chopped style, like you get a specific yeah. ingredient, you could donate more money if you want to like ruin their chances and give them something like Fruit Loops or whatever, and they have to figure out yeah. how to cook with it. But it's also drawing attention to the fact that homeless shelters in general a lot of times have to be creative with whatever they're making from the food they're getting because they're just there's things donated to them that they're not they don't even know what they're going to get and so they have to come up right. with something from what they get and so we highlighted that by also kind of making it fun and having these local celebrities make this like kind of a competition and we executed it in three weeks but we were able to create a video from it we got press there um so it was experiential, it was an event, it was outreach, it was PR because press came. Yeah. Uh, we were able to do some paid placements after to get uh, more funding, fundraise, funds raised after. And it was super yeah. successful because we were able to all come together and bring all of our different ideas to make this happen. And you did, and you did it at the, at the very beginning as opposed to we're going to do this part and then you guys do this part yeah. and then you guys do this part and then you guys do this part when you bring everybody or representatives from a lot of the different disciplines together at the beginning, then it can lead you probably to more things that are like this. Yeah. Cause honestly I came to it with like, Oh, I think a cooking challenge would be really fun. Somebody else brought in that ingredient piece. Someone else brought in another piece of right. that, you know, like it wasn't, all one person we all came to it with so many different ideas and yes we had to narrow it down i mean it we can obviously go crazy part of it is right making a decision and committing <laughs> but right. you know that was kind of like this ideal moment of us coming together to to make this amazing amazing thing for our client and and i have my and i have my own theory here and i'll be curious to get yours so that sounds wonderful. Why doesn't it happen more often? Why doesn't that happen more often? And I have my own thoughts on that, but I would love to hear, I mean, why wouldn't you want 
to achieve those types of results you you kind of we kind of just revealed what the secret is which is bringing everybody in the beginning but why doesn't it happen i feel like people get scared of having too many cooks in the kitchen not to talk about the cooking stuff more but i think yeah. <laughs> good pun <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's hard to wrangle and finesse ideas when you have a lot of people that it takes a certain kind of personality to be able to manage that and so if you don't have access to that or don't know how to do it it can be really hard to like pull out the good good parts of different ideas and to parse out like okay well this part of this idea works but maybe this part let's not do that um and you have to create a really open and safe environment too to do that for people to feel comfortable right and i don't know that anyone that everyone has that or has access to that if you don't have this open and safe environment where any idea is okay and we're going to figure it out and then maybe like we finesse it and think about it and maybe maybe your idea is like something we can do later or it's not quite right for what we're trying to do but having this like open space where we can all talk about it is so important yeah so you brought up um, you brought up the, the more kind of environmental, creating a safe space side, which, which I agree is super important. Where my head went to first is that sometimes I think that um, we're, you know, the, on the, from the creative side, we're kind of seen as a pain in the ass because we, yeah. we want to ask questions and we want to, you know, poke and prod a little bit. And sometimes, you know, uh, people don't want that. They just want to move very quickly and come up to come to some kind of understanding. And then, and then they, let's go. And then we'll hand it off to the next group of people and then they'll hand it off. And it becomes that kind of waterfall approach. Right. Cause I think I, I sometimes get that sense and it's like, Oh, I'm just going to come in here and he's going to ask too many questions that we don't know. And we don't want to take oh the gosh. time to figure it out. And we don't want to ask the client yeah. because then that makes us look like, we don't know what we're doing. It's like, well, that's, that doesn't make any sense. You're, you, you, you know, and, and I, and I yeah. get it. I, you know, this is the weird thing about me is I always, I use this phrase all the time now talking out of the other side of my mouth because I do get it, but I, I don't get it enough to say we should be doing that every time. I think every once in a while, there is no other way. You have to move very quickly, but for the most part, it it, it it just takes it just takes a little bit of planning and a little bit of thoughtfulness and it should be done that that way but i think that's what happens it's like ah, it's gonna be annoying people are gonna want to talk about stuff and write things down and we just gotta go you know yeah i've definitely been perceived as that person who just asks a lot of <laughs> questions and is too honest for her own good sometimes um and hey, I think, join the join the club, man. <laughs> join the club. Yeah, and that is, but that is something I think creatives bring to the table, right? We're going to point out the emperor has no clothes. Like that's, <laughs> like we're we're gonna right. make it very clear that there's there's a problem, and we want to address it before it becomes a big problem. Before it's like we try to anticipate these things by asking our questions and figuring out where the gaps are, where the where we need to think more strategically before yeah. executing and so yes yeah. i do agree i agree that that is a good not just theory i think it, it it's it's true i think there's truth and, in it <laughs> yeah and i think the way to overcome it in, in, at least in my experience is to not just say hey go back and ask the client 
this question, right? Because I get that too. That can be, you know, time consuming and annoying, but to be able to say like, Hey, point, point, poke the hole and ask the questions, but then also say, you know what? We're going to, my team is going to think about that. Or let me go back and that, let me see if I, if my theory is correct here, I'll do some research or I'll do some things. I think that can help um, maybe it kind of negate that, that whole feeling of like, ah, oh, that's not that call that mess not bring in the creatives because they're going to ask too many annoying questions. If you can ask the annoying questions, but then also be part of finding the, the, the answers to those annoying questions, then maybe it'll be better, you know, you'll, people will feel more comfortable bringing us in because they know that we're not just going to poke the holes and ask the questions and then walk away and like, hey, you guys figure it like, out. All right, let us you guys know. figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> which, uh, you know, which is sometimes I think, to be completely honest, is sometimes what we do, right? Because sometimes we feel cool asking these questions, poking those holes and then being like, ha, 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 you fools. You didn't think it through. Let us know when you got those answers. But yeah. maybe be a part of finding those answers in, in some way that maybe they'd be less averse to bringing us in at the beginning. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, there's wisdom in that, like being able to come and ask these questions and know also how to go find the answers and find the solutions to it for sure. Um, I think one of the one of the PR folks I talked to to get some thoughts on my my misunderstandings for today, uh, she yeah. brought up this idea of, you know, everyone who joins an agency needs to shadow every single position and see what they do and how they do it. And I think that that would help in so many ways because you would shadow a junior level designer and see what they do. You would shadow a copywriter and see what they do and how they do it. And that would make you not just more respectful of the process, but be able to see what they can bring to the table ultimately. Yeah, I think that's a great, I think that's a great point. Um, completely different industry, but I remember my brother, when he was, he's an engineer. And I remember he, he had been, he had gotten like an interview to, uh, to work for Frito-Lay. Right. Mm -hmm. And as part of their whole process, even if you were an executive or someone coming in on the engineering side, they would make you go on the delivery routes with the drivers that are delivering the, the Cheetos and the Fritos and all that stuff. Cause you had to learn the operation from the ground up. And he was blown away by it. He didn't, he never, he never uh, uh, took that job or I got that job, but he was explaining to me, I'm like, that is so cool. It's like, okay, so you got to go on the truck to understand how that side of the business works. And then eventually, no matter what you do, there is a time where you get to try to create a product. Like you get to like, they'll bring you a deep fryer and you like deep fry <laughs> stuff and try to find the next big and then they weren't expecting you to do it, but it was just this idea of understanding all the different sides of the business. And I think that that would be great. And I think that, and probably the, the really great agencies probably do some form mm -hmm. of that. Um, and I think yeah. maybe even as leaders at agencies, as a creative director, as a person in a more leadership role, it's kind of on us too, to make it happen more frequently, right? Like. You might do it first when you join the agency, but maybe it's like a standard practice every couple of years, everyone shadows everyone to see where they're at and to remind ourselves like where we all kind of came from and how we can bring these different voices together. And then also see how creatives do solve those problems by asking the questions and yeah, watching it happen. Yeah. I, um, 
I, I have this presentation. I, I keep talking about it. I need to revisit it because it keeps coming up. That doesn't quite do the same thing, but it starts to get at it. And, and the presentation, I, I, I called it um, uh, Creatives Are Lazy and Account People Don't Do Anything All Day and Other, and other, <laughs> miscon and other Misconceptions About Our Business. And there was a time where I was sort of, from a business per perspective, running uh, our LA office for when I worked at Advantage, right? So I really got to sort of see it from both sides. And that's why I created that um, that presentation, because there's a lot of things that we don't understand about the different sides of 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 our of the, an agency. And, and that's just two sides, right? It says kind of account and creative. But I kind of like broke down these different misunderstandings, right? Everything from like, you know, as as an account person, you shouldn't art direct, especially not over somebody's shoulder, right? And I always make the joke that like, how ridiculous would it be if it was on the other, if it was the other way, if we had a creative standing over an account person writing a, a really sensitive email to a client, right? Or yeah. sending some kind of really important communication and the creative going, hmm, do you really want to open up with, with, <laughs> with good morning, sir. It sounds so formal. How about, Hey buddy, you know, like when, when would we ever, but for some reason it's very natural for, you know, an account person or somebody else to come over there and go, mm, I don't know. I think the logo should be bigger or I don't like that color. You know, like it's, it's preposterous. Right. Or so I point things out like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that with that type of feedback is that a lot of times account coordinators are trying to anticipate what the client's going to want too. So they're sure. like guessing multiple levels. <laughs> well, yeah. And then, so as part of that, I say, look, if, if there's, if it comes down to a, a, a question that's as simple as red or blue, the decision should be on the creative person, unless the account person knows that the color red will, you know, give the client seizures. <laughs> then in that case, that yeah. information supersedes that, right? Because yes. but at the end of the day, if it's a creative decision, it sh and there's no other like knowledge that the accounts folks have about a certain thing, then that decision should be there, right? So then I, I kind of talk about it on the on the other side too that it's also very easy for us creatives to you know submit the work and have the account folks present it, and then the account folks do a great job of presenting it and they come back and give us the feedback and they were like, Oh, you didn't do it right. You didn't tell them this or you didn't, Oh, how did you say it? You probably didn't explain blah, blah, blah. And it's like, listen, you get on the phone and explain to the client what you did and you hear from the client why it's, why it's wrong and see how that feels. Right. Because they take a lot of heat. They take a lot mm -hmm. of, of, of pressure and a lot of beating up. You know, so it's just kind of a way to kind of empathize with each other and understand that everybody's got different roles and different, you know, things that are tough. Okay, now you want to go, Mac? Now you want to go? Okay. <laughs> go I was buddy. wondering. Oh, maybe, he's got, so maybe, maybe he's an maybe he's an account guy, just yeah. disguised as a as a dog. He didn't like my comments, but anyway. So I just think <laughs> to your point, to your broader mm -hmm. point, you know, I think it's just kind of bringing people together and just understanding what we all you know, bring to the table, so to speak. And finding strengths, right? So one of the things that I've realized is like, <clears throat> I have, I have gaps, like I, I am not the strongest writer, I'm looking at things more visually, I'm more coming from a design perspective. And so 
I bring in people who are really strong writers because I know that that's going to make everything I do better and yeah. everything for the client better. And so I try to, that shadowing piece is so important because then you can find people's strengths. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. Okay. What else? Do you have any, any more any that you just, that you just kind of like <laughs> popped in like, oh, I forgot to talk about this. So my last piece of advice actually is probably when you're, and it's about working with designers specifically. Um, I've found in general, like, and this is from the account side, when I see account coordinators or account managers or PR people come down and cause I work downstairs. So I say, come down um, yeah. and tell us again, the strategy already. And don't think about creative being involved in that strategy. A lot of times they'll come like, we need this, this, and this, can you make it happen? I think if you come down even another way to incorporate and integrate these two things, if you come down and say, hey, here's the problem, here's the client's challenge right now, can you think about the best ways to find a solution to this challenge? A lot of times designers will come up with stuff that you didn't even think of, that you did not even consider. And giving that mental space to process and think about it by presenting this like challenge and problem and here's like the parameters of this and letting them kind of run with it also makes things better. You, if you don't have the time to all sit in a room and talk about it and have that safe space, that's another way to incorporate it, right? To include them in the actual problem solving side. I like it. Would you also, I would also even be open to this approach and tell me what you, what you think. Um, again, because understanding the other side of the house and everybody's, it's always a fire drill and everybody's got to go. I would be even be okay with somebody saying like, Hey, here's what we're thinking. You know, here we, we, I'm sorry, we couldn't bring you guys in, but we're moving very quickly. Here's what we're thinking. We have some thoughts. We think you guys can help us this way or that. Mm -hmm. However, now that you see this, we we're open to seeing if you guys can come up with something that you think might be stronger. Yeah. Right. Or, or might, I mean, even that to me would be awesome because then it's like, okay, we have something we can look at and we, you know, maybe we take some things and rework them or we say, oh, let's do it. Let's provide sort of a counterpoint to that or whatever. And that might be, you know, that might lead to some, something more interesting. And it also feels more collaborative, even though they've already, you know, done a part of it to say like, Hey, this is what we're thinking. We really like this. But if you guys think you can come up with something better or something that you want to share, let's, let's try it. I mean, even that would be preferable to just like make this pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Any sort of including the team in some way makes it better. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, again, on the flip side, you might be at a point on the creative side where you're like, you know what, we're focused on this other thing that we think really is so we're good, then we will just, you know, do what you need us to do for this, this particular time. You know, so there's just yeah. ways I think I think it's just the offering and the opportunity and the, you know, kind of the bringing uh together at the table. And maybe you guys might say, well, you know what? We think this is good and mm -hmm. we'll, we'll do whatever you need here. You know, you got to kind of have to pick and choose your, 
your battles too, right? Yeah. I mean, keeping client deadlines in mind, if like a client, yeah. like, I need this in the next two days, like obviously you're not going to have time to sit there and be like, okay, let's try all of these different things. Um, right. Right. And so it's, it's being mindful of what yeah. is going to serve the client too. Yeah. Yeah. It's very nuanced, right? And and mm -hmm. this is why I always like rail against people that are like, we have the perfect solution and it's going to work every time. <laughs> and it's like, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's always, it's always very nuanced and always very, you know, there's lots of different ways that you could do it. And just, just there's so many factors at play, you know, and I think the biggest, the biggest thing is just communication and empathy and understanding and just you know, being honest, you know, hey, guys, man, we really wanted to bring you guys in, but we just we just couldn't because the client, what yeah. can we do here? That's like a conversation, like, you know, being being open and honest and um, or in re even yeah. recognizing like, okay, the client needed this this quickly, we really don't have time to like, hash this out that much. So can can we just make it happen? Like, making it very clear from the beginning that this isn't the time or space to ask a lot of questions, right? Because that's when we sure. get annoying. <laughs> So yeah. maybe we make it clear from the beginning, there's no time right now for that. Like we just need to move. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. What, what else? Any, uh, anything you want to share, uh, on that topic before I kind of ask you a few, few other questions? No, I think, I think that's everything I've got. Yeah. Yeah. So just, uh, you, you mentioned it and I was looking at, um, you know, your resume on, online on LinkedIn. I mean, you have such a great background. Like you've done, you mentioned the whole film mm -hmm. background. I know you work for some of the studios and, um, you know, you worked in PR and you've done so many different things. How do you think that that is, is, is shaping, you know, whatever it is that, you know, you're, you're going to do when you grow up? Like, how, how is that? How has that helped you bring it all together? And how do you think that that makes you different or, or stronger creative? Because I got to imagine that having all those different things is just makes you just that much stronger. Yeah, I mean, it can go multiple ways, right? I've had folks tell me like, Oh, you don't like you're not specializing in anything, you're doing so many different things all at once. And yes, I, I'm doing a lot of different things. It works for me. I am constantly wanting to learn and challenge myself in different ways. And so for me, creatively, it is really nice to work with a lot of different types of people because it constantly helps me learn my process and what to do better and what to do differently and how I'm approaching certain clients. And, it, you know, that's that whole diversity piece. When you're bringing in... Yeah diverse voices, you're going to get that kind of thing too, where you're, you're, everything is just better. So when I'm looking at it from different perspectives, I'm coming at it from all of these experiences I've had, and I can mm. bring all of that to the table. And, yeah. you know, having worked at a, at a bigger studio, I've seen what processes work there, what doesn't work and what is helpful creatively and what isn't. Um, it's made me a better leader because I've seen all of these different folks and how they work and how they work together and how they work collaboratively. I think coming at it from all of these different points of view, just make me a better creative in general, because I'm thinking about things and you might come to me and be like, or account manager might come to me and be like, this client really wants to do this like print piece to talk about their event. And 
when I look at it, it's like, no, actually, there's like a whole bunch of other ways that we can communicate this event more effectively to the audience that they're trying to talk to. And I'm coming at it because from just my right. different experiences, I can bring that to the table. Yeah, that's awesome. That's uh, that's super, super valuable. Um, all right. So we've come to that moment in the show where it's time for me to ask you to pay off the title of the show, Confessions of a Creative Director. I probably spring, I, I probably, I keep forgetting to tell people about this. Maybe it's a, a subconscious <laughs> yeah, a little thing. Heads I don't up. want them to worry about it. Yeah, a little <laughs> heads up would be good. But I'm putting you on the spot. Um, You're putting me on the spot. What, yeah, what's the, what's, what's your confession of a creative director? This is time to get it, get it off your chest. Well, I hope <laughs> no one holds this against me. So okay. like I've mentioned many times, I come to uh, my creative direction on the visual side yeah. and I've done a lot of writing in the past. I've actually like written a screenplay. I've written many things. Wow. I just really hate writing. <laughs> really? Yeah, but I do it because <clears throat> it's part of my job. Yeah. But yeah. What is it? What is it about about it that you don't like? It just takes me, <clears throat> sorry, it takes me like a long time. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I like it's one of those things like every other creative process I can sit with and like sit and get into and kind of like uh, get super absorbed. The process of writing for me, just there's certain, there's certain jobs and roles. I uh, assistant directed a film one time and I realized very yeah. quickly that this is not the position for me. <laughs> yeah. I become like the worst version of myself. And so yeah. I think when I'm writing, I become the worst version of myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I would imagine you still pr produce good, good results, great results. It's just that yeah. it's not really something that it's you enjoy. It's not easy for me. Yeah. It's not yeah. easy. It's not, uh, and not that it's not easy. It's just, yeah, like it's not something I enjoy. Uh, if, yeah. if you give me, like, if you're like, I need you to make like this, um, 30 second TV spot. Yeah. I will make that happen. Uh, yeah. but if you tell me to write like a, a press release, like, mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's totally fair. That's totally fair. Uh, well then, then you gotta be, you gotta get your subscription up for chat GPT to, to do some of those <laughs> mundane writing tasks. At least a starting Get that point. Going. I, no, I yeah, that's that, what it is. Yeah. yeah, it's a starting point. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's cool. I mean, again, I mean, that brings us back to a main point that you talked about earlier. I mean, you can't be you can't be the expert at everything, right? And that that mm -hmm. gives you an opportunity to bring somebody else who's really passionate about that and may see things differently than than you. So it all comes it all comes full circle. Yeah, I'm all about that because I think I think that expecting someone to be we're human we can't be good at everything there is just not no. it's not possible so it's not possible that's what i try to tell myself when i'm really terrible on the golf course i'm like i can't be good at everything <laughs> but you that's, can have fun whole... doing it that's a whole different yeah thing. yeah i don't know golf is one of those things where man if you get in your head you're done you're just like i'm not even having <laughs> any fun anymore i just want to go home i want to go to the clubhouse and drink beer um that sounds fun well, too, though. <laughs> yeah, it is fun. That is fun. Yeah. Um, thanks for being on the show. I'm glad that yeah, we were finally you. able to make this happen. I know we, we've been trying uh, for a long time. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm I'm anxious to see where you take all these 
uh, all these great experiences that, that you've had and all this uh, great leadership experience that you've had. And, um, you know, um, I look forward to keeping our friendship and our communications going and yeah. I'm wishing you continued success. Oh, thank you, Jaime. It was so nice to be here. And it's such a nice conversation. It, it's, it was good to think about this in a more cohesive way because, you know, it's all right. stuff that I deal with on a regular basis, but never really sat down to like articulate in a, in a way that made sense. Yeah. And I think, and I think that, you know, the points that you covered are going to be very helpful for people that are, you know, in, in similar roles, be able to have those conversations with, with other people. And I often think like, I hope that this happens is that sometimes people that are, have a guest that they really relate to, that they're able to go like share it, share the episode, right. As a way of like, Hey, here's how I how I also think. So I'm, I hope that people that are in a similar situation, working for a PR agency, that want to you know um, get better at their craft and be more collaborative and all that, you know, are able to say like, "Hey, listen to this. You're gonna love yeah. what Nipa had to say." So thank you again for providing your insights, and um, yeah, I appreciate it, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Yes, yeah, same. And there you have it, folks, another episode of Confessions of a Creative Director in the Books. Thanks to my very special guest, Nipa Eason. Be sure to check out her podcast, The Popsicle Project, wherever you get your podcast. I was on it, I think it was uh, maybe late last year or early this year. It's a great, great podcast, so be sure and check that out. And be sure and subscribe to this podcast. Uh, leave us a review, tell all your friends about it, and don't forget to pick up my book, uh, what's the Big Idea? An Indispensable Guide to Becoming a Kick-Ass Creative Director. It's available on Amazon, and I'm about a week away from launching the audiobook, so be sure and pick that up as well. All right, until next time, peace, love, and creativity. See ya. Bigger, bigger, make it bigger.